<clears throat> nobody, 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 nobody. Nobody rage hard stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Nobody Read Short Stories. As some of you may know, I am Megan. I am a um, Caucasian woman with brown hair, short brown hair, and I am coming to you today uh, wearing a short uh, sleeve shirt in a, in a beautiful white office with a couple of doors in the background. Um, I'm very excited about tonight's episode. This is... Um, a very special story, and I'm so glad that we're finally being able to share it with you. So without further ado, this is Alex Gillette reading Carol Vanda Hinda's Before He Heard Her via Braille. Awesome. Thank you, Megan. I'm Alex Gillette, and I am an African-American male reading Braille, and I am wearing a black sweatshirt black Nike sweatshirt with a an American flag on my headband as I am a totally blind Paralympic track and field athlete. So let's begin. Before he heard her, he scented her. Lemon, honey, wild lavender, feck. Ronan, is that you? The familiar timber came from behind. He had time to tuck his folded cane beneath his raincoat. He hoped it was invisible. Ronan gripped the subway handle and stared unseen through his shades. Luckily, he donned his cool pair. The train swayed. Zoe's clothes brushed as she rounded the space before him. Ronan, oh my God. It's been, what, six months? He knew exactly how long it had been since he'd left his girlfriend. Half a year since the accident, so five months since they'd broken up. A different lifetime. The quiet nights in their missed anniversary should have inoculated him. Yet, even after all these fortnights, her voice rang as sweet as before. Aren't you going to say anything? Are you going to pretend you don't see me? A chuckle escaped. I'm not pretending, he said. Not funny. You can't ignore me when I'm standing right in front of you. Try me, he grinned, despite the harrowing situation. It was one thing to keep a secret over the phone another in person. Her breath reached him, warming his neck where his shirt lay unbuttoned. I thought you'd moved to another country 
the way you disappeared. Are you still here in the city? Because that would make you an even bigger jerk than I thought you were, she said. I told you, you're better off without me. The edge in her tone triggered memories like a high school song bringing back prom night. Snatches of their last call tumbled in. Zoe had started out full of disbelief. She'd been away on business for two months. Have you met someone else? She demanded. He couldn't tell her the truth and still protect her. This makes no sense. We were in love, weren't we? She asked. He'd wanted to erase her anguish then, as he did now. He heard the air in her throat catch, bringing him back to the present. Hey, Ronan, are you okay? Fabric swished as she raised her arm. Oh no, not the hand in front of the eyes thing. That was worse than anything, uncalled for. Cliche, a test that he couldn't pass, even if he couldn't witness himself being demeaned. The train's automated conductor announced the next station. What the? Zoe's tone ratcheted up toward drama. The sound of her uncovering secret. This is my stop. Good seeing you, he said. His hand formed air quotes, his own private joke. He broke away from her before he could discover more and lunged towards the door. Air released from the brakes and the door slid open. He stumbled onto the platform, aiming for the exit. In the swirl of emotions, he hadn't even absorbed which station they'd entered. The echoes of footsteps against the tiled walls didn't sound familiar, like a station he'd previously traversed. Not since the accident, anyway. His commute tended to be unvaried. Here, among frenzied crowds, he didn't want to misstep onto the tracks. Or maybe he did. Ronan, Ronan, she called, breathless, some yards behind, her heels tapped sharp and fast. Stiletto. Hmm. He wanted to see her. He could imagine the flash of the red hair, the intensity of her hazel eyes. He followed the sounds of the throngs, swept along with their motion. And his emotion, by some miracle, fumbled his way through the turnstile. 
he'd worked hard to avoid this. This was never supposed to happen. And now he felt lost as the day he'd woken in the hospital. Careful, Zoe shouted. So close that she must just be an arm's length away. But it was too late. His stride was fast and headlong until he struck something solid. The stairs filled him as easily as an ax splintering kindling. His knee twisted as he caught himself with the railing. His folded cane clattered onto the concrete, no longer hidden under his coat. The harsh echo reverberated in the cavernous station. The crowd parted around him, commuters hurrying along their routes. Warm fingers grasped his elbows and helped him up. Are you hurt, she asked, her worry sounding close to grief. He tested some weight on his leg. Nah, you know me, I'll do anything for attention. She let go of his arm and chuckled. You always made me laugh. Tell me you're not seeing anyone. I'm not really dating material. Shut it. He heard a hard plastic edge scrape against the cement floor. He put out his hand for his cane, his face warming out of embarrassment for seeing it. No question about it, his secret was eviscerated. But instead of a lightweight cylinder, she shoved something small into his palm. He wrapped his fingers around the smooth circle topped by sharp gemstone. Oh, why today of all days would she be wearing the promise ring he'd gotten her after the marathon? That summer morning, her mood had been buoyant and her lips soft. It was the last time he'd raced. Here, she pressed the cool surface of his folded cane into his other hand. Thanks, he said. He tried to return the jewel and met air. Keep it, she said. It was for you, not anymore, her voice broke. He pocketed the jewelry. It had been the most dazzling piece in the store. One that shone almost as bright as Zoe's excitement when she was immersed in the beauty industry. Attending fashion shows, 
or designing creative. She prized aesthetics from the red lacquered bottoms of her Louis Vuittons to her 21 step skin regimen. In the midst of all that perfection, there was no space for damaged goods. Do you have time for coffee? She asked. Nope. There was no point. He clutched the handle and flung open the cane's whole length. What did appearances matter now? How about something stronger? It's eight in the morning, he laughed and limped up the steps. The tap of her heels kept pace with his. I know an account up for grabs, she said. Smart. Talking shop would appeal to the entrepreneur in him. I'm not in design anymore, he said. Trying to meter his bitterness. How about you? You good? How's Korea? Beauty is amazing. Let me tell you about it over a bite to eat. You look too thin. He shook his head. His cane found the top of the stairs. At street level, a chill mist wet his face. Oh, come on. You owe me at least this. Weren't we serious? And you didn't even tell me the biggest thing to happen to you, she said. The biggest thing. All right, you got me. The truth is, I pickpocketed your ring from a circus act. She blew out some air. Be serious for once. It's just five flipping minutes. He paused in the open air, 10 paces from the mouth of the station. His heart pounded and leg throbbed. This was ridiculous. A young, able-bodied woman was not going to have problems keeping up with him. He lifted his left arm to his face as if he was looking at a wristwatch. Even though he no longer had need for a watch. Five, starting now. And then we go our separate ways. Right here? Can't we go somewhere? Sit for a bite? Four minutes and 40 seconds, he said. Um, okay, Jesus. He imagined Zoe staring at him and wondered what his expression revealed about the wreckage inside. I mean, I don't know if this is why you left me, 
But if it is, is it? Is this why you broke up with me? Because I still have feelings. I still, Christ, do you? Is this why? Three minutes, 50 seconds, he responded. Stop being so stubborn. She smacked his arm, then sounded guilty. Oh God, I'm sorry. What happened? Bad accident. Three minutes. He sucked her breath and inhaled, incredulous. She'd always been a cornucopia of scents. One for her hair, another along her neck, a third stop. She grew so quiet, he wondered if she'd left. Then she drew a finger along the stubble that lined his jaw. Instinct shuddered his eyes. She leaned against his chest, tiptoeing up and brushed the hollow of one cheek with her lips. Lavender, lemon. Two minutes, 30 seconds, she whispered, so close that he could feel her exhale. He grasped for an anecdote as rational thoughts slipped away. Your place is the other way, trying to dissuade her with pragmatism. Huh, stilettos, that's right. How'd you know? Blind man can still hear. The air grew silent. Is there any chance that your vision will? Nope. This is it, he said. I'm sorry, but you know, it doesn't matter between us, she said. He pulled back, the tightness in his throat, making it hard to talk. I was protecting you, he said. By breaking my heart, her tone rose to incredulous. By not screwing up your perfect life. That's bull. You're no chicken. Think about it. Who are you really protecting? After months of friends and family treating him with kid gloves, afraid to upset him, Zoe's straight talk was like a slap upside his head. All those stories he told himself about why it would be better to lie rewound themselves, now seen with a new lens. He pictured her shirking away in honor Yet, here she was, unwilling to leave him. Some days this sucks, he said. And the days apart, those suck worse, she said. Don't lie, he said. But part of him wanted to hear this. He had needed hearing this since. Shh. 
She slipped her hands under his overcoat and melted into his warmth. Encircling his waist until one cheek nestled against his chest, he wrapped his free arm around her. His lips imprinted her lavender-scented hair. There weren't even two minutes left to his self-imposed deadline. I've missed you so hard, he said. His voice unexpectedly gruff. Ronan let his cane tumble to the sidewalk. Inside his pocket, he located Zoe's ring. One minute. There must be more. Acknowledgements. With special thanks to my sensitivity readers who reviewed the work from their perspective as blind readers, author Lori Alice Eeks and Intel's Accessible Computing Director, Daryl Adams. You filled me with gratitude when you shared. There was much reading enjoyment and the story is full of resonance and authenticity. All right, Lex, thank you so much. What a wonderful oh, reading. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Congratulations. That was wonderful. Oh, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for being kind. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've read through this a handful of times, but when it's actually time to do it, do it. It's uh, a little different. But, yeah, it was fun. Oh, good, good. Well, let me read. Um, I know you introduced yourself a little bit beforehand, but let me just um, read your official bio for everyone so that they'll know. Um Lex Gillette is a globally recognized Paralympian who competes primarily in the long jump. He's a five-time Paralympic medalist, four-time world champion, and the current world record holder in the event of a leap of 22 feet, one inch. As a keynote speaker, Lex's message is there is no need for sight when you have a vision. I love that. He empowers his audiences to see more than just the physical world in front of them. Prepare to be inspired and motivated to learn who you really are and how to become the person you desire to be. Um, and you can find more information about Lex at uh, lexgillette.com. That's L-E-X-G-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.com. Um, so thank you, Lex. And so um, let's bring on Carol. And before I do that, let me just give you guys a little bit of um, information about Carol. Carol Van de Hinde is an award-winning author who pens stories of resilience and hope. Her novels, Orchid Blooming and Goodbye Orchid, draw from her Chinese-American heritage and have won 30-plus literary and design awards, including the American Fiction Award, the IAN Outstanding Fiction First Novel Award, and Royal Dragonfly Awards for Cultural Diversity and Disability Awareness. Carol's mission is unlocking optimism as a writer, speaker, strategist, board member, and climate reality leader. One secret to her good fortune is her humorous hubby and twins who prove that love really does conquer all. 
So without further ado, let's bring on Carol. Hey welcome, there. Welcome, Carol. Thank you so much. That was incredibly moving to hear Lex read that story aloud. What an incredible honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, I know. I just thought that that was, um, that was an exceptional, like um, Lex's voice matched the, the words so well. Um, I, I, I really, I really thought it was a, it was a wonderful match. And um, I know I read some of your, <laughs> some of your bio, Carol, but I just want to let everyone know that that we could we could go on and on and on about about you and all the things that you're involved in, and I'm just so excited to have your story on the show. And thank you so much for um, bringing it to our attention and letting us present it here. I know that you're you're busy doing a lot of things and and with your podcasting and your writing and et cetera, et cetera. So thank you so much for letting us share your story here today. It's an absolute thrill. Listen, I wear many hats in life as both of you do as well. Yeah. Um, and so it's just wonderful to be here together. Oh, thank you. Um, so could you give us a little bit of a background about what sort of inspired you to, to write this story and a little bit of that process as a writer? You know, for the inspiration behind Before He Heard Her, we actually need to step back a moment to the inspiration for my debut novel, Goodbye Orchid, because the story itself was a character study I did as I was working on the character of Phoenix Walker in the story Goodbye Orchid. And so the inspiration for that came from the shorthand answer is combat wounded veterans. And so as I was um, dealing with difficulties in my own life, I was actually seeing stories in the news of combat wounded veterans who inspired me with the strength and resilience that they took to get back to good. And it was that, you know, really being um, moved by that experience that I wanted to bring to the pages of Goodbye Orchid in order to pay homage to their experience. And so when I wrote Before He Heard Her, I was exploring the themes that show up in Goodbye Orchid, as well as in Orchid Blooming and in Always Orchid that's coming in October, themes like, um, you know, self, how you see yourself, um, how, what you might sacrifice or believe that you're sacrificing for love. Mm. And really the idea that love can conquer all and the idea that we are whole, no matter what we might think uh, could be missing. Mm. Oh, I love that. Um, and I think that that, that that really comes through in the, in the story. Um, Lex, I know that uh, you, you had read the story before you agreed to, uh, to do this reading. What was it about the story that, um, that drew you to doing this project? Yeah, I think, I mean, the elephant in the, in the room is the fact that one of the main characters is, is Ronan, who obviously is, is visually impaired. And so thinking back to moments and, you know, dates and, and relationships where you might have been a little timid or scared, fearful, and, you know, being vulnerable and letting people know what it is that you can and cannot see mm -hmm. and just you know, traversing those those waters because once you unleash that information into the world and you let someone know, especially a potential partner, 
you just don't know what that reception is going to be like. And so, um, yeah, it was just really, really interesting to to read the story and kind of kind of experience those things, those feelings, those emotions again. Mm. I I love that because one of the things that really drew me to this story is the the emotion of it and the the purity and the relatability of what these two characters are going through. And I think it's really a testament to Carol's writing that it's so visceral and it's sensual and and she uses so many wonderful sounds and and feelings like I can feel things on my skin, I can hear them in my ears. It's it just puts you in that environment and I can sort of feel every breath of of what these characters are, are are going through, and 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 to your point, Lex, like you, like who can't relate to that? Like, like it's just it it really does does put you um, it puts you there, and it makes you think about your own um, experiences. And um, I'm so glad that that you had um, you had that experience with the with the work as well. Uh, Carol, were you? Um, do you feel like you thought more about sounds and touch and smells and things as you were writing this story that you, that you might not have beforehand? I absolutely do. That's such an insightful question because um, one of a writer's most powerful tools is to get into deep point of view mm -hmm. in which you're really embodying the character you know, um, experiencing the world through that character's lens. And so for me to be deeply in Ronan's point of view, I realized very quickly, like in the opening sentences, as I started penning the story, that the sounds were going to be really important to him, mm -hmm. that the scents um, were going to be really pronounced for him. And so that became such a powerful anchor for me in the story and it came to me really as I was crafting the character. So yeah, wonderful question. And in fact, as we're discussing this, I realized that I had intended and have forgotten to introduce myself um, for anyone who might be listening but might, might not be seeing um, the video that I am an Asian American woman wearing a black shirt with a hot pink flower and hot pink earrings that match the flowers that are on the covers of my book. Oh, thank you, Carol. And I also want to want to mention for um, those who might not be watching that uh, you have a cat in the background as well. <laughs> Has the cat been naughty? I, I saw the the cat kind of wiggle itself around on your on your counters in the background. So oh, that's, that's not allowed. Yeah, that's not allowed. So I'm sorry, I called the cat out. <laughs> I'll have a talking to him with him yes. later. Oh, okay. Don't tell him it was me. <laughs> Um, well, uh, thank you for that, Carol. And I also, my follow-up question to that is, do you feel like since writing this story, what you've written since this experience, do you feel like you use sounds and those, those sort of details that you tapped into in your, in your writing since this project? Absolutely. I think all of the senses are so powerful and that is oftentimes discussed in writing craft courses that we might as authors tend to overuse the visual cues mm -hmm. 
And so it always is a great reminder for authors that our world is so rich with lots of clues as to what's happening around us to make sense of the world. I think that sometimes we get so busy, we get tunnel vision, we're just focused on what's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. But if we pause for a moment, right now I'm sitting in my kitchen, I can hear the rain pattering on our rooftop. Mm -hmm. I can see, you know, I can like almost smell that sense of rain that comes through the air before a storm or during a storm, you know, and those things add a lot of, um, amazing color to our world and so it's wonderful to pay attention to them and it's a special joy as an author to be able to help readers notice those things in our everyday world oh ab absolutely and and i i think that comes through in the story too because i was thinking you know this the story it's it's a short story um it and it's set in a very confined space and there's only two people. And, and so you've, you've created this very like intense um, snippet of time, but yet it's so rich. There's so, there's so much life going on, not just between the stakes of these two characters, but just being in the, in the station and, and all of the, the sensory experiences that we're having, I feel like the the breadth of the story is much larger than its word count and it's and it's interacting you know, and it's an environment because of 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 that so um job well done carol <laughs> i'm happy to hear that and just a um, little aside for you mm -hmm. and the listeners that the train station where the story is set is actually meaningful because mm -hmm. the opening of goodbye orchid takes place in a train station in which an accident changes the main character's life forever. Oh. So that also was a very emotional place for me mm -hmm. to be placing this story. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I love that. Well, no wonder it's so rich. You know, I, I think when we're, even if we're not writing about something directly that happened to us, I, I, at least my experience as a writer is I'll, I'll write something and I'll feel something that, that feels very intense and I'm very engaged with it. And then I'll go back and I'll reread it and I'll think, oh, this, ex this other experience that's unrelated to whatever I just wrote is what informed this. And that's why it's so rich. And then I'll think about scenes that I struggle with that I'm like, why can't I get this right? And because it's lacking, I feel like it's lacking some kind of personal engagement that maybe, you know, I'm like, oh, it's too fictionalized or it's too, it's too beyond what my personal experience has, or I need to do more research, or I need to talk to more people, or I need to, to be more, to be more engaged with it. Um, so that does, that does not surprise me one bit. Sometimes I feel like uh, my best writing is when I'm more willing to be vulnerable to be very honest with myself. Yeah. The things that we're afraid of, the things that move us, the things that make us human. Mm. Absolutely. Lex, do you find that in your your motivational speaking? And Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that um, because obviously people, when I get on stage, people expect for me to talk about my, my feats as an athlete, which I feel like I'm proud of those things. But I think that it is the it is the events that lead up to 
getting on the podium. It is me having those days where I don't feel like going down to the track. Mm-hmm. It's those days where you deal with, you know, relationship challenges or you know, kids are acting crazy or, you know, just, just, there's so many different things that, that go on. And I think that actually provides the, the, the color in which you can kind of dip that figurative paintbrush in to paint these images for people to see and go along that journey. And, um, and you always hear people talk about, you know, it's not the destination, it is the journey. And so you think about a, a short story like Before You Heard Her, where uh, literally in, it feels like that moment in time was a century. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is because Carol did a really good job of accentuating those, the sounds, the smells, the the activity, the personalities. There was, I mean, there was so much going on in what I imagine was probably a, a short amount of time. Um, and just also thinking about, you know, I use all of those things to navigate the world. Imagining myself being in that train station and using the sound of footsteps as they echo off of the wall or hearing people around me using the the textures that I feel under my cane, under my feet. You, know, you use all of those things to create this, this map in your mind that you're able to traverse and navigate to get to your, your destination. Um, but yeah, this was, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful portrait of a lot of experiences that not only myself, but you know everyone, whether you're you know, sighted or not, you just have these experiences and emotions. Yeah. Oh wow. I I, I love that. I'm um, yeah. I'm so glad that you had the, you had that experience with this story, Lex. That's really um, it's really cool to hear you to hear you say that. So. Um, well, Carol, one more question I had for you. I was curious if there was anything about this story that you found particularly challenging, if there was a space that you were blocked on or if you were unsure about, or did it just flow from you or? A lot of it really flowed really, um, as I was kind of in creative flow, I'd say two areas where maybe a bit of difficulty. One, um, and since you're a writer as well, you might be able to relate to this, Megan, where to end the story? Mm. Because of course, after the two of them are at the top of that train platform, as they're talking about, you know, is there going to be more? There is more to their story. And I've imagined more of their story. Mm. I could have written more of the story, but I think it's, you know, choosing that moment that gives enough of a emotionally satisfying ending without needing to tell everything. I think that's an art in and of itself. So of course that's a decision point. And then perhaps the other thing that was a little hard in in writing the story wasn't so much in the writing, but then afterwards um, I very honestly wanted input and feedback and went to sensitivity readers Mm -hmm. and there is that moment whenever you put your work out into the world where you wonder 
what is the reaction going to be? Is it, you know, in my mind, it's a certain way. And in my mind, I'm striving to share a message of optimism, of hope, of, you know, very, of positivity. Will it be received in that way? And so that's why the acknowledgements are really meaningful to me to hear that um, Daryl, that Alice Eeks, the author, you know, loved the story and resonated with the story, that it was authentic there to their experiences. And then to hear Lex talk about it today is just incredibly touching. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Going back to, to what we, we spoke about earlier about being vulnerable, um, it is, it is a little scary and a little, you're uncertain about, you know, how is this going to be received, especially when you're trying to, um, to, to see it or to get feedback and, and from, from someone who is looking at it with a different lens than, than, than you are. Um, so I can definitely understand why that would be, that would be challenging. I, I really loved what you said about finding the ending and, and Lex, I don't know if you experienced this, like when you're, when you're doing motivational speaking, like, like, you know, that there's more that you can say to Carol's point, like, you know, that there's, there's more about these characters, but like, what is the final sort of beat and feeling that you want to leave people with? And, and Carol, I, I am sometimes like, I'm not a, I like stories that just end, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to like a quick ending as long as I feel, I understand what feeling the author wants to leave me with. And I feel like you, you did hit it at the right, at the right time, because it is about time and it's about Ronan shifting his perception of what the situation is. And you end this at that moment where he finally makes that decision to change. And it's like, that's the story. That's what the, what the story is about. And I, and I really, um, I think you, I think you succeeded in finding that time. Cause you're right. It is so hard. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that you felt like it hit it right. You know, you're right. That character growth moment, mm -hmm. the moment when he does realize he is more than whole and you know, that is just a beautiful moment. So wonderful to hear. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Um, all right. Well, is there is there anything else, Carol or Lex, that you, that you would like to say or or comment on before we wrap things up? No, I mean, I well, I'm saying no, but I'm continuing to talk. <laughs> I think that I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, Carol definitely appreciative of you stepping out and writing this piece. I think that as readers the beautiful thing is that you know we're all in a lot of ways we're in a similar position it's not like we're going to turn on the tv and view some sort of streaming program like this is a story where we all have our our mental images our mental televisions and so we're able to by the author's talents able to see those things within our minds. And so I've always appreciated that as, as an author myself, being able to paint those, those portraits in a way where people can, can see them, can feel them, can smell them. You can make it a, a total sensory experience. And just by the use of 
the the words that we write down on the pages. So you know, I definitely commend you on such an amazing work. And uh, the ending, I think, was was perfect. Um, Megan, I know you mentioned you know, ending as a as a speaker. Whereas I feel like when I'm when I'm on stage and I'm telling stories, the the end of the speech is is actually the audience members being able to you know take whatever those last thoughts are and them continuing that story because ultimately I want it to be their story and what they can do to to take from those mm-hmm. those words that I speak so that they can create the ending that they want to see themselves. But for something like this, I think that it was, uh, you know, very, it it resonates. And you definitely, Carol, you you hit a home run. (laughs) I definitely concur. (laughs) All right. I am so complete right now. That is so amazing. (laughs) I um, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you. Lex, for that beautiful reading, for those beautiful mm-hmm. words, and Megan, for choosing this story, for shining a light on um, the story and also on disability inclusion. You know, there are stats that say one in five people have a disability, one in three know someone with a disability, and actually the themes in the story, they do shine a light on disability awareness. They're also very universal themes, mm-hmm. and I think they're human themes. So thank you, thank you so much. Uh, well, it was, it was my pleasure and our pleasure. So uh, thank you very much. And thank you both for, um, for making the time and coming on the show. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to um, have some sort of collaboration in the future. I'd love that. Absolutely, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, so thank you everyone for joining us. If you would like more information about either Lex, you can go to his website, lexgillette.com, or you can go to uh, Carol's website, which is carolvandehende.com. That's uh, V-A-N-D-E-N-H-E-N-D-E.com. Thank you so much, and everyone have a lovely evening. stories anymore I really don't know what they're written for Go write a short story and throw it out the door Cause no one reads short stories Funny, sad, or gory No one reads short stories anymore no one reads your story.